0: This episode of Getting the Word with Truths Table is brought to you by IVP. In our frenzied culture, rest often feels elusive, especially for leaders who carry the weight of nonstop responsibility. If your soul longs for replenishment, stay tuned to learn more about Ruth Haley Barton's book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, and by Truths Table. get in the word and may the word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold
1: wonderful things in your word. Old Testament reading. Esther chapter 3 through chapter 6. Chapter 3. Haman conspires to destroy the Jews. Sometime later, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamad-Datha, the Agite, exalting him and setting his position above that of all the officials who were with him. As a result, all the king's servants who were at the king's gate were bowing and paying homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded. However, Mordecai did not bow, nor did he pay homage. Then the servants of the king who were at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why are you violating the king's commandment? and after they had spoken to him day after day without his paying any attention to them, they informed Haman to see whether this attitude on Mordecai's part would be permitted. Furthermore, he had disclosed to them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai was not bowing or paying homage to him, he was filled with rage. But the thought of striking out against Mordecai alone was repugnant to him, for he had been informed of the identity of Mordecai's people. So Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, that is, the people of Mordecai, who were in all the kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, that is, the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus' reign, Pur, that is, the lot, was cast before Haman in order to determine a day and a month. It turned out to be the twelfth month, that is, the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a particular people that is dispersed and spread among the inhabitants throughout all the provinces of your kingdom, whose laws differ from those of all other peoples. Furthermore, they do not observe the king's laws. It is not appropriate for the king to provide a haven for them. If the king is so inclined, let an edict be issued to destroy them. I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to be conveyed to the king's treasuries for the officials who carry out this business. So the king removed his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, who was hostile towards the Jews. The king replied to Haman, Keep your money, and do with these people whatever you wish. So the royal scribes were summoned in the first month. On the thirteenth day of the month, everything Haman commanded was written to the king's satraps and governors who were in every province and to the officials of every people, province by province. According to its script, and people by people according to their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus, it was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by runners to all the king's provinces, stating that they should destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, from youth to elderly, both women and children, on a particular day, namely the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, that is, the month of Adar, and to loot and plunder their possessions. A copy of this edict was to be presented as law throughout every province. It was to be made known to all the inhabitants so that they would be prepared for this day. The messengers scurried forth with the king's orders. The edict was issued in Susa, the citadel. While the king and Haman sat down to drink, the city of Susa was in an uproar. Chapter 4 Esther decides to risk everything in order to help her people. Now when Mordecai became aware of all that had been done, he tore his garments and put on sackcloth and ashes. He went out into the city, crying out in a loud and bitter voice. But he went no further than the king's gate, for no one was permitted to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. Throughout each and every province where the king's edict and law were announced, there was considerable mourning among the Jews, along with fasting, weeping, and sorrow sackcloth and ashes were characteristic of many. When Esther's female attendants and her eunuchs came and informed her about Mordecai's behavior, the queen was overcome with anguish. Although she sent garments for Mordecai to put on so that he could remove his sackcloth, he would not accept them. So Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been placed at her service, and instructed him to find out the cause and reason for Mordecai's behavior. So Hathak went to Mordecai at the plaza of the city in front of the king's gate. Then Mordecai related to him everything that had happened to him, even the specific amount of money that Haman had offered to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to be destroyed. He also gave him a written copy of the law that had been disseminated in Susa for their destruction so that he could show it to Esther and talk to her about it. He also gave instructions that she should go to the king to implore him and petition him on behalf of her people. So Hathak returned and related Mordecai's instructions to Esther. Then Esther replied to Hathak with instructions for Mordecai, All the servants of the king and the people of the king's provinces know that there is only one law applicable to any man or woman who comes uninvited to the king in the inner court. That person will be put to death unless the king extends to him the gold scepter permitting him to be spared. Now I have not been invited to come to the king for some 30 days. When Esther's reply was conveyed to Mordecai, he said to take back this answer to Esther, don't imagine that because you are a part of the king's household, you will be the one Jew who will escape. If you keep quiet at this time, liberation and protection for the Jews will appear from another source while you and your father's household perish. It may very well be that you have achieved royal status for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa, and fast on my behalf. Don't eat and don't drink for three days, night or day. My female attendants and I will also fast in the same way. Afterward, I will go to the king, even though it violates the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai set out to do everything that Esther had instructed him. Chapter 5. Esther Appeals to the King for Help It so happened that on the third day Esther put on her royal attire and stood in the inner court of the palace, opposite the king's quarter. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the palace, opposite the entrance. When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she met with his approval. The king extended to Esther the gold scepter that was in his hand, and Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. The king said to her, What is on your mind, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even as much as half the kingdom will be given to you. Esther replied, If the king is so inclined, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for the king. The king replied, Find Haman quickly. So that we can do as Esther requests. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. While at the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your request? It shall be given to you. What is your petition? Ask for as much as half the kingdom, and it shall be done. Esther responded, My request and my petition is this If I have found favor in the king's sight, and if the king is inclined to grant my request and approve my petition, Let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet that I will prepare for them. At that time, I will do as the king wishes. Haman expresses his hatred of Mordecai. Now Haman went forth that day pleased and very much encouraged. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate and he did not rise or tremble in his presence, Haman was filled with rage towards Mordecai. But Haman restrained himself and went on to his home. He then sent for his friends to join him Along with his wife Zeresh, Haman then recounted to them his fabulous wealth, his many sons, and how the king had magnified him and exalted him over the king's other officials and servants. Haman said, "Furthermore, Queen Esther invited only me to accompany the king to the banquet that she prepared, and also tomorrow I am invited along with the king. Yet all this fails to satisfy me so long as I have to see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate." Haman's wife, Zerish, and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows seventy-five feet high built, and in the morning tell the king that Mordecai should be hanged on it. Then go with the king to the banquet contented. It seemed like a good idea to Haman, so he had the gallows built. Chapter 6. The Turning Point. The King Honors Mordecai. Throughout that night, the king was unable to sleep, so he asked for the book containing the historical records to be brought. As the records were being read in the king's presence, he found written that Mordecai had disclosed that Bithana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the entrance, had plotted to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king asked, What great honor was bestowed on Mordecai because of this? The king's attendants, who served him, responded, Not a thing was done for him. Then the king said, Who is that in the courtyard? Now Haman had come to the outer courtyard of the palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had constructed for him. The king's attendant said to him, It is Haman who is standing in the courtyard. The king said, Let him enter. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What should be done for the man whom the king wishes to honor? Haman thought to himself, Who is it that the king would want to honor more than me? So Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king wishes to honor, let them bring royal attire, which the king himself has worn, and a horse on which the king himself has ridden, one bearing the royal insignia. Then let this clothing and this horse be given to one of the king's noble officials. Let him then clothe the man whom the king wishes to honor, and let him lead him about through the plaza of the city on the horse, calling before him, So shall it be done, to the man whom the king wishes to honor. The king then said to Haman, go quickly, take the clothing and the horse, just as you have described, and do just as you indicated to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Don't neglect a single thing of all that you have said. So Haman took the clothing and the horse, and he clothed Mordecai. He led him about on the horse throughout the plaza of the city, calling before him, so shall it be done to the man whom the king wishes to honor. Then Mordecai again sat at the king's gate, while Haman hurried away to his home, mournful and with a veil over his head. Haman then related to his wife Zerish and to all his friends everything that had happened to him. These wise men, along with his wife Zerish, said to him, If indeed this Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is Jewish, you will not prevail against him. No, you will surely fall before him. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived. They quickly brought Haman to the banquet that Esther had prepared. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of His word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace, gracious and holy and righteous God. We. Thank you, O Lord, for your word today. We thank you, O God, that you are indeed the God over all creation and redemptive history. We thank you, O Lord, for the life and the ministry and the work and the fortitude of Queen Esther. It is not lost on us, O God, that she was in a situation while television and movies may dramatize it or glamorize it. It is not a situation that anyone would want for themselves for she was one of many wives of this king. We are mindful, O Lord, that like you, Lord Jesus, you wore a crown of thorns, and she too wore a heavy and burdensome crown. You indeed are the greater Esther, O Lord, the greater Esther who took on the crown of thorns, who put yourself up to die on behalf of your people. And God, we thank you for this. We thank you for this reminder through redemptive history, this reminder, O Lord, that you are giving echoes towards the cross, echoes towards the victory that Jesus would win on our behalf. And so we thank you for the life and the work of Queen Esther. We thank you, O God, for the fortitude of this young woman who went before a temperamental king, one known for wickedness and for harm and, and for cruelty. But, O Lord, she came towards him with a come-what-may attitude and a come-what-may spirit as she stood for what was right. And I pray, O God, that you would pour out your spirit to give us that type of spiritual fortitude, O Lord, to have a come-what-may spirit for righteousness and holiness and for your namesake, O Lord. God, we are amazed at the way in which you bring about holy ironies where you prepare a meal for us in the presence of our enemies. And we see this in this narrative, this meal that Haman will be attending, that Esther has placed together, O God. And indeed, she will be there in the presence of her enemies. And we are amazed at the way that even in our own lives today, you knit together these stories of holy ironies, where you use our enemies as our footstool, as you work all things together, not that they are all good, But you work all things together, difficult things, painful things, things filled with suffering and confusion. You are sovereign and mighty over them all. And although they be not good, you work them together for our good. And you prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Only you can do that. Only you can work together holy ironies. God, we thank you for the holy ironies of our own lives the way in which you have placed us in circumstances and situations that are beyond what we could conceive or orchestrate for ourselves, but you have made it so. And we give you thanks and praise for this. And we entrust ourselves more and more to you that even when we face a mighty foe, when we face a very true enemy within and without, we are reminded that your divine hand can work these holy ironies on our behalf, that you are for us, that you are with us that you reign and rule through love, by love, for the love of your children. And we are grateful for this today, O God. We are encouraged by the complexities and the difficulties of this story. And we ask you, O Lord, that you, by the power of the Spirit, would uproot from us jealousy, O God. As we think of this story of Haman and Mordecai and, and the blood-lust jealousy that Haman has towards Mordecai, and that it continues to make a trap for himself over and over again that he falls into. And, oh God, we know we are no better in our humanity than Haman in our jealousy. And so I pray, O oh God, right now, by the power of the Spirit, that you would reveal to us where we are jealous of others. Help us to be honest about that. Help us to not covet what our neighbor has, O oh Lord, but instead to recognize that what you have for us is truly indeed for us. Help us to realize and to embrace that godliness with contentment is indeed great gain. And so I ask, O Lord, that you would uproot the seeds of jealousy within us. Instead, O God, would you replace those with gratitude and contentment so that we do not create traps that we end up falling into because of our own jealousy. Merciful and gracious God, give us a come-what-may type of spirit in honor of our older sibling in the faith, Queen Esther, and, O Lord, uproot in us the seeds of jealousy, which ensnare us and cause us to fall into our own traps. It is in your name that we pray and give thanks, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the greater Esther, who sacrificed yourself all the way to the end on behalf of your people. And we thank you, Father God, for raising him again into victory and accepting his sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you for this narrative that shows us the beauty of redemptive history. And we give you honor and praise that we are a part of this story even now. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen.
0: The journey to a meaningful Sabbath practice is slow and gradual, and it is a journey we need to take in community. In her book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, Ruth Haley Barton offers wisdom regarding the rhythms of Sabbath, exploring both weekly Sabbath keeping as well as extended periods of sabbatical time. Sabbath is more than a practice. It is a way of life ordered around God's invitation to regular rhythms of work, rest, and replenishment that will sustain us for the long haul of life and leadership. Get your copy of this book today at ivpress.com. As a listener of this Podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code THE WORD. That's promo code T H E W O R D at IVPress.com. We pray this time of getting the Word with Truth Table has encouraged us all
1: to not only be hearers of God's Word, but doers.